Welcome to Beyond the Pillion. My name is Kahiwa Sabaya. I use she, her pronouns, and I am the chaotic one. And my name is Mark Drexler. I use he, him pronouns, and my guilty pleasure is huffing two-stroke fumes. <laughs> yes, you know you like them as well, Kahiwa, even if you do make me shut the garage door. Anyway. Uh, before we start, I will would also like to acknowledge that today we are recording this podcast on the traditional lands of the Kaurna people and to pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Right, what are we talking about today? Thank you. Today we are talking about those make or break times kind of early in your riding life where you get to tackle mm. one of the biggest challenges in learning to ride, which is confidence, uh, a word that's come up a few times already, hasn't it, Mark? It sure has. Now, I can't remember if I mentioned this before, but uh, 20 odd years ago, I was a, a rider safe instructor. So I was one of the people who uh, when you went to get your learner's permit and go out and do your two-day course to learn how to ride a motorcycle, then uh, I got, well, was fortunate enough to see a whole heap of new riders come through in the couple of years that I did that, and they would be anywhere on a spectrum from those who had never even touched a motorbike before to those at the other end that had been riding dirt bikes from a young age and thought they knew just about everything there was to know about a motorbike so it's a for people getting into riding on the road there's a real spectrum of experience and um for, for those who are coming into learning as many of our listeners will with minimal or no experience don't feel bad about it um it is very common and people from all different experience levels can get to that point of being on a bike um, and Kahiwa, I mean, what, what was your experience of motorcycles and riding a motorbike in particular before you did your learner's course? Yeah, I think I think we spoke about this in our intros in um, first or second episode. Uh, but basically, I'd, I'd ridden as a passenger, the pillion, a couple of times um, back when I was very, very young uh, on the back of my dad's bike. And then a handful of times um, riding pillion with you. Um, mm -hmm. and then decided, actually, I think I'd quite like to do that, and then signed up for the course and then <laughs> rocked up. And uh, I think I was one of, I was trying to remember, one of maybe three or four other women in a class of kind of 30-odd um, for the yeah. two-day weekend. Yeah. And, and so you, so when you rocked up to that first, for that first day of your learning or learner's course, you'd never been on the front, you'd never ridden a motorbike, you didn't know what the controls were, you were really at that very beginner level? I would say, I think I vaguely recall one time when I was, oh, maybe early teens or something and I got on a dirt bike and uh, managed to start <laughs> it to travel all of probably about mm -hmm. 10, 15 metres, but no one taught me how to stop and then I fell off. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people tend to have dirt bike stories where it's just, yeah, you just get on and there's the bit you that makes you go, go and you just jump on and ride and you mm -hmm. just go. And yeah, then you end up on YouTube or what used to be called Funniest Home Videos. So, yep, very common. Yeah, so, I mean, pretty much nothing. Um, I'd, you know, driven a mm -hmm. manual car, um, ridden push bikes for years. So familiar with the idea of kind of a clutch uh, and how all of that works together. Uh, but certainly mm -hmm. I would say barely nothing, very, very minimal kind of idea of how to actually ride a motorbike. Right. Yep. So that is a, so a good example for anybody listening in who's feeling a little bit anxious because you know absolutely nothing about motorbikes. We have somebody here who was in that same situation. 
Thanks. I think that's a good thing the way you describe that. <laughs> Absolutely, because this is you are you're the the perfect example here. You're the uh, the the use case that we've got that we're trying to help. Fantastic. And yeah, I think it's a it's something I can I really relate to around just that huge learning curve um, that you have when you mm-hmm. are a brand new writer. Um, and yep. what was what was fascinating about that whole experience getting learners permit was you know you're there two day kind of half day or equivalent like five or six hours yeah, two, or something two I think. half days I think yep yeah um, out in this tiny wee little area and you go from sitting in a room rows of seats looking at not quite a projector or slides, but, you know, TV show and a guy kind of talking through something and drawing on a whiteboard. And then you go out and you sit on a bike and you come back and you do that a few times. Um, and it's all very mm-hmm. controlled and very precise. And, and I think they, it was a really nicely structured course coming from learning design mm. perspective. Yep. But there is a huge difference to riding around in something the size of like or two netball courts or whatever with yeah, a cage. Much. I was going to say that that's about right. Yep. Yeah. Um, to then going on the road mm-hmm. <laughs> with cars and intersections and, you know, having to remember all the road rules as well as the the machinery of a bike. It is, um, you know, you are legally allowed to ride on the road, absolutely, um, once you go and get your, you know, proper permit thing filled out and get your mm-hmm. lights and so on. Um, but I think at least for me mentally, it was a huge, a huge gap. Yeah. And it is, it, it's a little bit different from a car because you are out there on your own when mm. you get your learners there. It's not like in a car when you're on your L's and you've always got somebody next to you uh, to sort of talk you through things, you're now on a bike with an L plate and out into the traffic. And uh, yeah, completely agree that there can be a lot of things for your brain to try and focus on at uh, at once when you first get out there. Yeah, I, I know for me, it was spending a whole lot of time, you know, when I was on the road, you know, because the road rules have been driving for years, like they're, they're second nature in your brain. But all of a sudden, I'm now trying to work out um, what gear am I in? How much am I braking too soon, too slowly? Mm-hmm. Um, have I got my indicator on? Have I turned my indicator off? What's happening with the choke? Um, all of these different things um, that... I would then start to to forget some of the you know some of the road rules or the specifics until like that kind of is coming up, and you know pulling into traffic lights mm. and thinking about so many new things as well as all of the other old things that were in my brain. It was it was quite overwhelming actually to to think about all of that at once. Yep, absolutely, and and that's a really common feeling. So for people who have perhaps just got on the road. Don't don't think you, um, that's anything unusual. Mm-hmm. Trying to remember all of those very basic skills of just keeping a bike moving in the direction you want it and stopping, <laughs> on top of all of the other data your brain has to process when you're out on the road, it is it, it can be something that feels overwhelming to start with. Um, and I also wanted to mention here that uh, for those who haven't gone for their license yet but they're thinking about it. There is no assumed knowledge other than road rules uh, mm. when you when you get out to do your learner's course, and I'm imagining this would be pretty consistent anywhere. But two of the things which they're not they're not assumed knowledge, but goodness, they are very very handy to to have before you do it. 
Um, the, the first one is just knowing how to ride a push bike. Now, mm. um, I think in my years of being, a, my couple of years of being a rider safe instructor, I reckon I did have one person who um, had never ridden a push bike. And that was, uh, okay, wow. So we're now also trying to get you just to understand how balance on two wheels works. Mm. So um, definitely go out. If, if you haven't ridden a pushy for a while, go out and get on one and make sure that you feel okay just balancing on two wheels. And the second one that is almost assumed knowledge is how either how to drive a manual car or at least understanding how a manual car works. Mm. So for people who have uh, learned how to drive a car without um, learning how to drive a manual, so they've only ever driven an automatic, then all of a sudden you're introduced to this strange thing called a clutch that you've never had to think about before. And you have to choose which gear you want to be in using that clutch the whole time. Mm. And I did have a few people that, like there was almost a precursor that I had to do to say, um, okay, if you don't know how to drive a manual, uh, right, well, firstly, this is what a clutch does. And this is how a gearbox, <laughs> this is how a gearbox works, that you have to pick gears and you've got six of them usually to play with. Um, and yeah, it's just another chunk of knowledge that you have to build at the same time as learning all the controls on a motorbike and just getting your body to do something that is uh, complicated enough already, given that you've got to, um, you, you, you have to use all your limbs on a motorbike as well, which is something quite different to a car. That, that I think is quite different. I would say, I'd say if you've never, if you've never driven a manual car or you've never ridden a push bike before, I, th I, I think you would be okay. Um, oh, you can still it, do it. Yeah, it's still be a little bit harder. And I, I would say, as someone who doesn't really understand too much about how a gearbox works, I don't think you need to know how a gearbox works. But I think it's the concept of I need fair to, call, fair call. you know, the way a clutch works in, in my mind is, you know, it's like opening a drawer to get out a utensil, a piece of cutlery. I need Ooh, to open like the drawer that. first to get my knife and I close the drawer again. If I need a fork, I need to mm. open the drawer, get a fork and close. And so when you are um, engaging the clutch, you are opening the drawer so you can, you know, change your gear to then be swap able to just swap to either go faster or slower. Um, oh. And I, I think that's quite a different concept to I go fast or I go slow with that you would have in an automatic car. Um and so I think, yeah, yeah true. you don't have to know how to drive a manual car, but it is a very different concept about how I manipulate a vehicle or the things around me mm. to go faster or slower. Particularly, I think, yes. um, when you are coming in to stop, if you hadn't ever driven a manual car before, the idea that I need to change down into a lower gear so that the engine can handle me going slower. Like I think that's quite a different um, concept, but it's not. Yeah, it's not impossible. Oh, it's it's not insurmountable. Mm. But if you want to make if you want to make life much easier when you are learning to uh, to to ride a motorbike, then learn how to drive a manual car first because it is just a conceptual mm. thing that once it clicks in your head, it's not hard. People have been doing it since the dawn of time in vehicles, uh, but it's just something that if you've never had to use oh, sorry, a clutch the to change gears time, before, then... The dawn of time? Okay, we've had motor, motor vehicles since what? Since the, the late 1800s, <laughs> early 1900s. Fine, don't worry about Way it. Way to rewrite history, it's fine. <laughs> well, it's, it's alternative facts. Don't worry about it, it's fine. <laughs> 
Anyway, we're going off, we're going off track a little bit there, but that's that's okay. Um, now, something we did really in this podcast want to talk a bit more about was uh, Kay was already hinted at. You do your couple of half days worth of. Um, half days of doing your learner's course and then you slap an L-plate onto a motorbike and then boom, you are out, you're out on the road. So let's talk a little bit, a little bit about feelings in particular, Kahiwa. Mm. How was that feeling of transitioning from a nice safe little range with uh, just a few bikes to traffic? Um, horrifying. What was the hardest things? How did it feel? <laughs> in yep. a word. Horrifying, yeah. um, and we should we should say that this is this is the rules and the licensing approach in South Australia, and it might differ in different different places. Um, yes, indeed. Uh, but yeah, so here you do your two half day course, you get your learner's permit. Then, if you've got a bike and an L plate, you can go out on the road by yourself. Um, and yeah, I think the the first bike that I went on after I got my learner's permit was um, the uh, MTO3 that I took for a test ride, which we uh, spoke about in a previous episode that I we did. <laughs> took we a did. roundabout. I think we got through maybe two or three corners and then I dropped it <laughs> trying yeah, to merge back yeah, that onto one. a road. Hmm. <laughs> um. And I think even even turning up to that place to uh, that dealership to take the bike out for a test ride was was really really nerve wracking. Um, I remember just feeling just being so anxious and nervous, um, but really mm-hmm. wanting it like a, a mixture of anxious and excited. Um, yeah, probably mostly anxious at that point. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, and then getting on the bike and and thinking, you know, I, that I'm allowed to do this. I should know how to do this. And then mm-hmm. freaking out, basically, going through the car park and um, onto the road yeah, and a yep. couple of corners and basically losing my brain. <laughs> well, yeah, and it was interesting that when you had that moment, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it wasn't about forgetting road rules. It wasn't anything like that. It was quite simply just forgetting one of the uh, the, the the mechanical, and I say mechanical not from a motor point of view, but from your, your body, one of the very mechanistic things of saying, yep, I know I need to change down through the gears to do that. I go clutch in, I push down, and I, I change myself down through the gears. And I think you just had too many things going through your head. Yeah. And that was the one that kind of fell out, fell out and stopped. Everything yeah. just got a bit overloaded. I think when 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 we got up and and you and I were were reflecting on it, and you were just asking me a few questions about what happened, and I think I remembered, yeah, mm. I was still in third gear. Um, I had yeah, yep. forgotten, so I'd forgotten to change down because I remember mm. being so focused on trying to turn the indicator on <laughs> and and looking for traffic, mm. um, and I remember yep. being still being lent over um, when I actually stopped. Uh, yes. Which is another no-no. Um, we bring the bike up straight before we before we brake and before we come to a stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was it was just all of all of the things, and yeah, particularly the the new body things about clutch, throttle, off, change, down, indicator, something's happening. What angle are we? Mm-hmm. And 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 brain got overloaded. Yep. 
And I think the takeaway from people out of that is that that feeling that you've got a lot of things to remember all at once when you first jump on the bike, that is perfectly normal because mm. you are, um, you know, I liken it to learning to play an instrument and it's almost like learning how to play the drums because you are having to use all of your limbs all at once in a particular way to get the end result that you want. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's normal. It's it's normal for your coordination to take a little bit of time to get that to get that dialed in, um, and for it to feel really awkward and difficult and clunky and sometimes very slow to do all those bits. But uh, yeah, over time with practice, and we'll talk more about this in a minute um, about building that confidence. But over time, that confidence can and will build if you go about it the right way. Um, and it's also at this point that I want to point out that this is the importance we, we talked about having the right first bike. Mm. Uh, this is another time where it's so important to have a bike that you feel confident with yeah. um, rather than one where, you know, maybe you've bought a bike that's too big, that's too heavy, that's too powerful. Um, the argument I hear sometimes, particularly from well-meaning partners, unfortunately, is no, you'll get used to it. You'll get used to it. And unfortunately, in a lot of cases, I think that's a crap approach mm. um, because it ignores what I see is the most important thing to build early on when you're riding, and that is building confidence. And to build that confidence, you've got to feel comfortable on the bike that you are that that you're sitting on. And if you don't have that, then you you're just adding more things that you've got to fight against. To, to get yourself through that little hard period that, that might be there at the start to get you onto all the awesome things that, that are going to come along later on. So Yeah, I think that's particularly yeah. important um, if you're someone who hasn't ridden ever before, then you know there's a lot in there to to build up that sense of comfort and confidence and um, and competency, like being totally. to being able to do it. Um, but even that yes. that internal narrative around I can do this. Um, I think we mm -hmm. know, you know, for people who are socialised as as female, that message is definitely not reinforced in the same way that it is for people socialised as male. Um, mm. That mm. women and people assigned female at birth, you know, are more likely to be told not to do things, or that you can't do things, or n encouraged not to take risks. Um, in the same way that men are. Um, and so mm. there are all sorts of other um, narratives and you know, that we tell ourselves and that we hear that are already playing on in our brains for a lot of people mm. that, yeah, this idea of you'll get used to it doesn't take into account the idea that I'm already coming from a deficit in terms of where I see myself mm. Um or how I approach learning things. Um, yeah, mm. very, I, I very agree. Good point it is a very powerful point. It's absolutely crap. It's ridiculous. And I think the other thing, other reason mm. I've heard is, oh, you'll want a bigger bike, you know, later. So just get a big bike now. And I know mm. I'm a prime example of, nah. <laughs> let's buy a little yeah, one. Let's no, get confident start. and then sell it. Like yeah. mm, someone's always going to want it. Yep, pretty much, pretty much. 
Mm. So, Kahiba, tell us a bit about, so we, we know that you had that um, very rocky start jumping on the demo bike and, and dropping it, but from there that, that was a big dent to your confidence. Tell us how then you went about building that confidence back up again. Mm. Um, I think it was probably a couple of things that, that happened. Uh, so mm-hmm. one a first thing I think is that when when I dropped the bike and we were out for that demo ride, um, I remember you asking, was I okay to ride it back? And I think I had a choice mm-hmm. in that moment to say, you know, how scared was I? Um, and I mm-hmm. remember feeling, again, absolutely petrified, body riddled with anxiety, Um brain is is overloaded with all of the fear things and thinking well no why did I want to do this in the first place the Mm. goal was a vision of myself as a badass biker chick I wanted to Mm -hmm. be someone who rode Midas motorcycles I could see for myself what I looked like um I, I knew what what clothes I would wear how I would feel as I kind of got off um got off the motorcycle and I was mm. like yeah I'm so cool like it sounds I think a bit trite uh but that vision was something that I wanted so powerfully that yep. even though I was terrified and body was basically frozen and my heart was thumping mm. crazily um and brain was just you know ad full of static it was like no I, I want this um mm. And and so I remember deciding, no, I will I will ride it back or take a second to kind of calm down and do some breathing, um, and then ride yep. back. And then I think as we very were slowly. very slowly, um, mm. I think as we were talking about it a bit later about what I wanted, and I was like, you asked, do, do I still want to do this? And I said yes. And you were like, okay, mm. we'll we'll find a bike that will will work. Um, and so I think the first thing that really helped with building or rebuilding the confidence was coming back to the why. What was the reason I wanted to do yeah, this? Yep. Um, and doubling down on the idea that I want to be a person who rides motorcycles. I want that for myself. Um, mm. And even if it was, you know, really superficial to an extent. <laughs> Um, that at least for me, that was powerful enough to say, okay, yep, this is enough to want to try and overcome the fear. Um, And and that was in that moment where I really did just want to check in there. Mm. Uh, and I have this conversation every now and again with, with people who are looking at, at getting into writing, um, and just saying, you know, do you is this still something that, that you want to do? Or is it something you think, oh, yeah, look, I might like this, but then you've jumped on. How did it ride us safe? We would have people that um, got partway through the sessions and would just think, um, yeah, you could almost see it in their faces that they just weren't enjoying it. And I thought it was worth in that moment asking you that because um, probably something I'd say to other people out there, you can walk away mm. if you are feeling unsafe if it turns out that it's just not what you thought it was going to be, uh, same as anything in life. You know, nobody makes every decision perfectly. So for, for you, Kahiwa, I know you had that really clear vision of what you wanted at the end of it and you were going to 
do whatever it took to get there, which she did. But it, it varies from person to person. Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely and it So what else did you do? Sorry. Oh, I just I just want to um reinforce and, and support that message. Um that you don't have to do it is the other thing. You don't have to ride. Mm-hmm. You don't have to ride a big bike. You don't have to ride a particular you know, cruiser bike or whatever. If it's not feeling good for you, you don't have to do it. Um Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Sorry, now go on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so the, the first thing in, in terms of building that confidence or rebuilding the confidence was going back to the why um, and trying to hold on to that vision and, you know, checking checking for myself, was that what I really wanted and, and how strong a vision was that? Turns out it was. And then I think the mm-hmm. second thing that we did was was really breaking down the gap. Um, so if I was to use my, my managerial consulting speak, it was a gap analysis <laughs> to say, yeah, and where where was uh-huh. I in terms of my vision and where was I in terms of my current skill set? <laughs> and then um, and working the out a way to There was be. a bit of a gap, a bit of a gap. <laughs> just a bit of a gap. Um, and, and then kind of I think just breaking down those skills. I think part of that was really coming back down to the basics. So mm. um, looking again at the things that we did at, at RiderSafe, um, and a big part of that was, I think, coming back to the comfort zone and continually pushing just at the edge of the comfort zone and building yep. on that in a way that, at least for me, I think Rider Safe, the way it was structured, maybe progressed a bit too quickly and that I could do the yeah, things and yep. pass the test by the end of the two days, but I hadn't actually internalized the idea that I could, that I was competent. Um, at doing mm. those things yep. or at least in a way that it had um, you know, gone in to become second nature. And a lot of that was actually what what you did, you know, Mark. We, we got a, a smaller bike and, and we went down to the mm-hmm. car park of the local university when it was very, very not busy and, and went back down to the basics. Do you want to talk through some of the things that you planned out there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So... Um... I think it's really common what you experienced there that two half days is not enough to groove muscle memory. Uh, and that's just the reality, the reality of it. And um, for, for many, many people and what the only real thing that is going to help you groove that muscle memory is same with anything is time and practice. And that's where I wanted to get you back into a controlled environment. Yes, it was mm-hmm. on a smaller bike, but I think eventually you would have got through it on the, the bigger MTO3 anyway. But just to try and make it as easy as we could, getting you back onto onto the smaller bike that you felt more comfortable, it was lighter, it had a lower seat. Um, and now not associated a, with me falling over and embarrassing myself and having correct, a near panic attack. correct. Yes, didn't have some of those mental <laughs> mental associations. So get you on an MTO3 again and see if you freak out next time. I don't think so. I think you're probably looking to say, oh, geez, it's small, isn't it? Um, but then it really was, all I did was went back to the structure and the way that we taught the skills in the Rider Safe courses and went back and just ran through them basically just drilled you in them. So mm. it was going back to, okay, let's practice just on friction zone on, on your clutch for those who are riding already. Um, 
and you know, we, we spent a good chunk of time just starting off in first gear and stopping, starting off in first gear and stopping, starting off and just keep on repeating, repeating, repeating. I hated it so much. Then you did. You did not enjoy it, but no. it was what you needed to do so that you didn't have to think uh, so hard about, okay, I'm on, right, how do I engage first gear and pull off when the lights go green? And we gradually built on that. So it was starting mm. off just with, um, uh, you know, selecting neutral, finding first gear, going in a straight line. Then it was changing up to second, back down to first again, which again, I know you found probably intensely dull after a little while. Um, just riding around in circles, changing up to first, uh, changing up to second and back down to first. Uh, cornering technique. So just the basics of cornering technique and mm. Uh, at a basic level, there's not all that much to a lot of these things, but it's being able to put them together in a yeah. coherent, connected way when you need it. Uh, breaking is the other thing to make breaking obviously as a second nature thing to say you start breaking, you squeeze the brakes and you start changing down the gears as you brake. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we spent, I don't know, how many sessions do you reckon we spent in there before you got back out, back out of the not road? Not quite half a dozen, I think. Yeah, I was thinking it'd be around about that. Um, and then gradually then, yeah, we we got you just doing the car park stuff for maybe five or six, somewhere around that mark. Mm. Um, got you doing some slightly longer ones going around. So at the university, there's a ring road. So you can do a, a loop of about oh, two, three, four kilometres, somewhere around that mark, yeah. um, but still in a almost almost empty environment and then once you'd done that then uh you were ready to head back out onto the road mm. and i think that's where i'd be interested to say you know i felt much more confident then that you were starting to groove some of those muscle memory things for the basics to say yeah okay i think you're probably ready now to get back on so what did you do from there yeah i was just going to talk quickly about that ring road i think what was really good mm. about it was um it was short uh, so, yeah, when when you're kind of going around it, if I made a mistake, then it would only be like a couple of minutes later I'd be doing it again. Um, but also yeah, it had it had intersections. So, you know, the things yes. that now was scary was slowing down to indicate to, to turn into a new road. And I had to do that at least a couple of mm. times within that ring road. Um, yes, yes, you would have. So repeatedly kind of coming back uh up against the thing that was scary <laughs> mm -hmm. um, was was really good. And there were some nice kind of corners yep. and it was uh, speed limit kind of fast enough that you have to come out of second. So I had to be changing mm. gears a couple of times, at least on this tiny wee little bike, um, changing gears a couple of times. Um, and I think that was also part of the thing that was scary. So I, I suppose overall – yeah, that was probably an overarching theme of then building that confidence was enough familiarity mm. and repetition um, of things, but at the same time, you know, pushing against my comfort zone. So I think after we did that little loop-de-loop -loop for a wee while, um, mm -hmm. the next thing was finding another little loop near near our house where there were significant um, corners um, that I could practice kind of keeping speed and flowing with traffic yeah. and a couple of intersections and pausing and pulling out and stuff like that. And so I would mm. do that 
up and down and up and down the hill and then the other direction, yeah, up and yeah. down and up and down the hill. And, um, and I think that probably just to add something in there to say there's a bit of creativity that's needed. I mean, we were lucky because we had this fantastic little practising place that was mm. very quiet on the weekends uh, in the local uni. If not everybody is blessed with having a university with a ring road sort of right next to where they are, but having a bit of a look at where where you live and thinking through where would be some nice quiet back streets mm. that aren't going to be too challenging that you can maybe get there, even if you have a friend who rides to say they can ride the motorbike there for you, get you on the side street while you drive the car or something. Um, you, you just have that little loop to, to do exactly as Kahi was said there to get enough practice on those basics in a repeatable kind of way because then you're, uh, I think it's about taking out some of the variables if you're mm. not having to remember going around, oh, where am I going? Do I go left here? Do I go right here? It's just no, just do loops of the same thing. You don't have to think where you're going um, and then you can just focus on those basics around the low speed stuff. Yeah, it was definitely definitely finding a loop where I just didn't have to think about, yeah, which direction was I going? I knew at least yep. in this loop up and down the hill, I was either going left, 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 or right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, um, spot on. And, you know, in enough happening on this little loop where um, there were some really challenging corners Um. And, you know, mm -hmm. once we had to kind of really concentrate and be thinking about cornering technique, um, but I could do it enough times that, um, yeah, it would start to feel a bit more familiar, feel a bit more comfortable. And then I'd go home and then come back the next day and do it all again. And, you know, how will have gone yeah. down a little bit in terms of familiarity and comfort and then do it a couple of times and feeling better again. Um, and then I think mm -hmm. after that, um, I rode the bike into the city, into uh, work for the first time, and yes, you did. I can't remember. Did we do? Did we do a practice run into the city? I think we might have even done one on a weekend or something, yeah. just to at least check out the get check the out route what a good motorbike route was. Yeah. yeah, get that sorted out. Which yeah, just to try and get you comfortable with the roads you were going to be on again, so that when you were doing it with cars everywhere then at least you knew, oh, yeah, that road surface uh, is is okay. Here's, yep. here's what the I'm corners the are like, which lane. is something, again, in a – yeah. Yeah. And the, in, in a car, you just don't really have to worry about that kind of stuff as much. Uh, whereas when you do get on your motorbike, you will find that there are some roads that for various reasons, usually around road surface, are just horrible. And if you can avoid them, then – uh, you will avoid them. You will work out where the inspection hole covers are or where the great big potholes are. You will learn these things and you will consciously try and uh, avoid them if you can. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think we did that same thing around trying to build familiarity. So the whole riding mm. into work was about pushing comfort zone. Um, yes. Yeah, a, new, a, new, a new route, a new... Uh, experience riding in peak hour traffic and with you know significant numbers of other cars and multi lanes and stuff like that um but mm -hmm. we worked first to build familiarity um by mm. mapping the route on on a weekend when there'd be less traffic um and then i did that three four five days a week for however many months yeah <laughs> yep 
until um yeah until it was becoming second nature and and actually that riding in traffic was fantastic practice for slow riding um oh, and is. being able yep. to balance the clutch and throttle and rear brake to just go slowly it was great practice for um you know changing up and down in the gears for um keeping an eye on where all of the other cars were on the road and trying to get a sense of Hmm. you know who's going to try and pull out in front of me because they see down half of a car space (laughs) um yep really good practice for that kind of spatial awareness around you and hazard awareness about what's happening. Mm. It was, um, I think actually a really, really great way to just slowly build that familiarity, enough repetition that the Mm. route itself becomes second nature. Um, A lot of the bike mechanic-y stuff becomes second nature, although I still did not manage how to work out a choke death of me hate them so much <laughs> never again <laughs> no well, you won't need to worry about them again so no. you're all good but and i think the other thing that we did was we would go for rides on the weekends just kind of out and around or similar and you mm. would always ask me how did you go or how did that feel and we'd have like a, a reflection conversation and I'd be like, oh, I felt really good in this bit, um, but you know, I, that corner didn't work out so well. Um, and you go, oh, yeah, I noticed you know, your, your head wasn't kind of all the way through. And I was like, oh, okay, yep, next time or well, second half of the ride, yep, really focusing on getting head all the way through. And I think um, you would also, before each ride, you know, just one or two things for me to focus on whether that was you know, yeah. keeping the body loose or looking all the way through the corner or you know, chin over the mm-hmm. shoulder or whatever it was. Um, you know, or I think a big one that I needed to unlearn was um, finishing my braking before I start to turn into the corner <laughs> so mm-hmm. that I'm not yeah. braking yeah. in the middle of the corner. Um, yes. And yeah, so I think it was those, those, those three things generally it was – enough familiarity and repetition it was consistently Uh pushing at my comfort zone but in a way that was you know slowly rather than you Uh know pushing too fast or too quickly um and it was having a real reflection learning kind of mindset where every ride even now is an opportunity to go what did i do well and what were the areas where Mm. I, I forgot about something or I didn't do something quite right, what would I have done differently? Um, that's That's been yeah. something I think we've taken. Yeah, look, that, and that for me anyway has never stopped. Mm. Uh, I think, And I think it is something, uh, a couple of things I'd say on that one, that every ride is an opportunity to reflect on, on your own riding and how how you've felt how the bikes moved how you've managed to get things you know just generally how how you're feeling on the bike and it's also um a, a reason why it's fantastic to have a riding buddy yeah even if it is even even if it's not somebody that is a that that has been riding for 20 years um, but it is good to try and find find somebody else and this is going to sound so hokey when i say it but i'll say it anyway but be- become a scholar of how to ride well, 
because it is yes. you were see I knew you were going to laugh at me but it's but it's true being able to to learn more about technique mm-hmm. um, and then to be able to see what it looks like on a on a good writer go look at a bunch of YouTube videos about good writing technique and then when you're writing behind your buddy whoever that is you know, um, do a, a compare and contrast and ask them to do the same the the same on you as well just to to what they're seeing you're doing and what you're seeing them doing and very often some of the mistakes that i some of the the um sort of technique flaws that creep in when i'm writing are things that i don't notice but then somebody else sees it and all of a sudden it's like oh god that's obvious isn't it yeah why Mm. didn't i why didn't i spot it myself and it's because we can never see ourselves the way others see us so just like learning any skill having peer learning going on to have somebody that is there watching you and helping you uh helping you learn is going to help your self-reflection which will uh, i was going to say in time but it's actually it doesn't take all that long you can actually uh, make good good gains fairly quickly by having somebody there watching how you're writing and um, helping you self-reflect and maybe just throwing it, even if they're not saying it's right or wrong, but just observing, hey, I noticed that your, your, your head's staying quite stiff as you're going through corners. Do you know you're doing that? Mm. Um, and I know I've done that to you plenty of times, Kay, when you say, oh, okay, no, I didn't. Yeah, right, I'll change that next time. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, find even, a buddy. I went for a ride this weekend and um, one of the things that I was really trying to focus on was turning right yeah, and reasonable pace, which is something mm-hmm. that I still struggle with. Um, and yep. yeah, I, I came back home and I was like, oh, do you know what was really good? I had this one great corner and I just had it perfect and perfectly balanced mm. and I could describe what I had done differently on that corner mm. to make it feel as well as it did um, because we're yep. in this practice of of reflecting on it. And I think your, your comment there about being a scholar is – really important because even though it, you did laugh at it i know but i have right. to <laughs> um yeah, but i no, think i think fair. it that's is fair. really important to be a scholar and to look for people who are um experienced and qualified and, and experts in this area when you're looking for technique suggestions um as mm. much as you might talk to friends or peers i think there's a really there's a for some people, it's easier to ask a question in like a Facebook group or similar. Um, you know, I know for me around, you know, how do I get better at, at turning right? Um, and a whole bunch of suggestions about technique things. And some of them make sense yeah. in, in my brain and, and some of them I don't quite understand. Um, yeah. But what I have found is when I am looking at footage or um, – suggestions and advice from you know people who have raced or people who teach motorcycling for a living um Mm -hmm. the way that they explain things and their their suggestions or their their kind of trigger points um make a lot more sense uh yeah because yeah i I think with technique a whole bunch of yeah um i was just gonna say there i think a uh asking facebook groups you're gonna get the same quality of when you ask Facebook groups for anything else, uh, which is going to be highly, highly variable, often with a bunch of really well-meaning mm. people, um, but definitely go and um, you know, life at lean is one that I that I particularly like. 
there are a bunch of other sort of good online um, you know, YouTube type people that are writing instructors that will talk to you about just the 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 proper techniques behind how to perform a particular a particular move, and then go out and practice it and just keep on learning. You, you, yeah. As motorcyclists, we never we never stop learning. I don't think. And the more you learn, the better it is. And Kahi, how good was that feeling when you nailed that corner the other day coming home? Oh, I, I think I, I pulled out of the corner, maybe possibly even a different corner, that I had just absolutely nailed. And I actually did do like a nailed it kind of fist pump to myself because I was so excited because that yep. was the best I had ever ridden that corner and you know, ridden that corner multiple times and it was great. Um, just thinking about, yeah, the mm. the commentary from, from Facebook groups and, and the difference between that and people who make a living out of, of educating people how to ride motorcycles. Mm. One of the advantages of people who do it for a living, who are experts, um, is that they often you know, have, have tried and tested ways of explaining. They've got years of experience and similar types of things. A, a disadvantage from them is that sometimes the way they explain things might not actually resonate with you because they might be thinking about it slightly differently. And so when you ask you know, peers or others hmm. in a group, they might have a different way of um, articulating that same idea in their experience and through their body that might resonate more readily. Um, and an example yeah. of that in terms of turning better, for some people uh, the cue is, you know, to get your hip um, out of the seat into the corner, you know, hip, knee, hip, shoulder, head. For others, it's no clamp the outside knee onto the tank and then lean away. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. For others, it's like look and allow your shoulder to follow your chin into the corner. Mm -hmm. um, yep, for me, sometimes it's about getting my weight into the balls of my feet to just slightly mm -hmm. lift my butt out of the seat of the bike and almost pushing in under the bike on the with the inside leg um, was one cue that was working for a little while. <laughs> And so lots of different mm -hmm. ways of essentially explaining the same thing, which is get your weight into the inside yeah. of the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and that is a good point that there's when people are building up their confidence and learning more about their skills, there are multiple different ways that you can get your, your body into the right position to be doing the things that it needs to do mm. well. And note there, not even needing to be perfectly, just needing to, to be doing it well enough yeah. um, to be able to do the job that, that you need to be doing. So anyway. But I would say I think the the, the key point there being if you are um, feeling feeling nervous or, or, or wanting to help build that confidence, um, my, my suggestion would be to start first with places like um, – was it Life to Lean? What was it called? Uh, life on the uh, Lean? Life at Lean. Life at Lean. Um, places like that. Yeah. Or um, that know, I did uh, I did a course with an uh, ex-professional um, racer uh, from the local area. I did like a, a, mm -hmm. a one-day course around kind of road skills and stuff like that. And, um, you yeah, know, that was really great. I, I would suggest starting with them. 
watching a YouTube video yeah. from, from somewhere like that. And only if that isn't resonating, then starting to talk to kind of Facebook groups because I, I recall some of the different ways that people were suggesting was starting to become almost a bit contrary to what I had heard um, experts yeah. kind of talk about. So yes, similarly yes. with other things I think you've said, Mark, to just take what people might say with a bit of a grain of salt um, and be yeah. be conscious about who you listen to and believe. And that includes us. So, <laughs> Yeah, don't believe everything we say. Go out, test it for yourself. Um, Okay, takeaways from today's episode then, Kay. We're about bridging that confidence confidence gap. Yeah, I think um, the first thing is, is is just to know that it's perfectly fine hmm. to feel nervous, to feel a little bit scared, to feel anxious. I just want to say it is absolutely reasonable. Yes, um, indeed. And I want to affirm that um, it is totally okay. Uh, to feel like that mm -hmm. um, and hopefully that that's not going to be around forever uh, so just just saying yep that is that's totally fine to feel a little bit scared mm -hmm. um, when you first get started absolutely and that further I think in terms of addressing that hopefully idea of of your your vision your reason for why you want to ride um, is one that's powerful enough to help keep you going mm -hmm. um, and also that it's okay if you decide it's not for you that's fine as well. Mm -hmm. Good point. I think then in terms of um, practical things to do, um, so we talked about um, structuring your your writing or activities around enough familiarity and repetition, mm -hmm. but also kind of pushing yourself just at the edge of your comfort zone, hopefully not too quickly or too fast or too intensely, mm -hmm. but making sure that you are continually growing out where you are comfortable. Yep. And so what that might look like from a practical perspective um, is, yeah, as Mark was saying, find a car park, find some quiet back streets where you can get some riding in without having to navigate the hecticness that mm. is dealing with traffic and other people driving cars and other vehicles. Um, and hopefully having a friend who might be able to ride with you, that can be really, really invaluable. Yes. Um, the, the second thing there from a practical perspective is just really focusing on those mechanical aspects of, um, of, of navigating and manipulating your motorcycle. So the things you might've learned in your learner's favorite course or other kind of training, um, being comfortable with your clutch friction point, uh, with the difference between where your throttle is, how to use that kind of confidently, your rear brake, um, you know, building your rear onto your front brake when you're braking so that you're not going too quickly, you're kind of loading on progressively. Being really comfortable changing gears and working out which gear you're in um, or a bit of an idea about which gear you're in and the idea of looking through corners. So that's a big one to help you corner better, safer, more confidently at pace. Um, until they become as close to second nature as possible. And if you can, trying to do some of that practice before you go onto a busy road. Um, I'm aware of some people who live in an area where the only roads around them are you know, 80, 100k roads, but hopefully there will be somewhere near you where it is relatively slower, uh, relatively quieter, where you can get to to practice some of these things. 
Um, and I think a, a final practical point is um, and ref- when we're talking about reflecting and having a learning mindset, at the end of each ride, finding something that went well hmm. um, and being, yeah, I really yeah, I like either that. I did so much better on this thing than I did last time or I did this really well. That felt really good today. Um, and maybe one thing to work on the next time you go for a ride. And if you're the kind of person who does research, that might be something you go and watch a video about to say, I didn't nail that corner today. What was going on? Um, mm. And you might go and find some places with some advice or, you know, common common mistakes that people make, that beginners make. That might be a place to, to go and get some learning to say, okay, that's what I'm going to work on next time I go for a ride. Um, to just help be building your actual skills, but also mentally kind of your belief and your confidence and your skills as well. Yep. Oh, very, very good points. And I'll also say as somebody who's been riding a lot longer, you don't, that that's not just restricted to uh, beginner riders doing those sorts of things as well. That it's it's something that there is continual value as a, as a rider, no matter how experienced you are, in just reflecting on how your riding is, how, how's your craft, and are there things that mm. you're not quite happy with that you just want to tweak. So... Very good points, Kahiwa, and thank you very much. Now, next episode, we are going to be talking a little bit about uh, pre-riding checks before you jump on your motorbike, and we're going to be talking a bit about why they are really, really important. So stay tuned next time, and we will be going through that one for you. And until next time, please ride safe and have fun. This is Beyond the Pillion with your hosts Kahiwa Sabaya and Mark Drexler. Find us on Instagram and YouTube as Beyond the Pillion. Leave a comment to let us know what you'd like to know more about. And if you liked us, remember to rate, review and subscribe or share this episode with a friend. It really helps other people find the podcast.